Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of The Jared White Show, recorded September 11th. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. September 11th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is a show where we talk about Apple stuff. No, actually, it's not. It's about the open web and about protecting your privacy and security online and a bunch of other nerd stuff. But today, today, the show is all about the Apple event that happened yesterday. Apple released, uh, or at least announced, and soon will release a whole bunch of products. And so we're going to dive right into that today. Uh, I don't have this laid out in any particular order. I'm going to talk about things pretty much as I think of them. So uh, buckle up, kiddos, and get ready for the ride. (laughs) Apple Watch Series 5. That was a little bit of a surprise, I think. Uh, The rumor mill was pretty divided on whether there would be a new Apple Watch this year. Uh, Some people were saying yes, some people were saying no. But there is indeed a new watch And it's actually a really big deal. I've heard some people say that they think the Apple Watch Series 5 was the the biggest or at least the most uh, wide-reaching announcement uh, as we look ahead into the future Um, because Apple Watch now has an always-on display. Yes, folks, that's right. Your Apple Watch will now always tell the time. Uh, it's about time. Uh, yeah, I, I, listen, I've, I've had a, a, an Apple Watch Series 1 for several years now, and I really like having an Apple Watch. I wear it every day. I feel naked. I feel like I'm missing something vital if I go out for a walk or do anything, really, without my Apple Watch. Uh, I hate, hate, hate having to pull my phone out of my pocket just to see a notification or to to you know, check something really quick that I can easily do if I just uh, look at the little computer on my wrist. However, by far the most annoying thing about Apple Watch is that the display keeps turning off. And, you know, they did an admirable job of making it so, you know, presumably when you raise your wrist, you can see the screen, but uh, it doesn't always work. And if you're in sort of a weird position, like if you're on your side lying down maybe, or, you know, uh, the example I think in their sort of advertising materials was the proverbial uh, doing some kind of exercise where you're like upside down or at some weird angle. And, you know, maybe you're, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're, both of your hands are completely occupied, like holding you up or something, and you literally cannot raise your wrist, but you still want to see something on your display. So how do you do that? Uh, you, you can tap the display, but that requires you know your other hand to be free to be able to go tap that. So uh, it's really been a pain. And I've even heard some people say that they stopped wearing an Apple Watch regularly uh, precisely because they found it extremely annoying that the display would keep shutting off. Well, that's no longer a problem with the Watch Series 5. They've done some really amazing tech wizardry to make it so that the display is always on. It, it does dim a little bit. You know, it, it, it still has the, the rays to, you know, get full brightness and usability. Uh, but when you're not using it, you'll still see the full display, whatever the watch face is that you've selected, along with complications, which is awesome. Uh, it'll just be a little bit dimmer. And the display will only update about once per second rather than you know many many times per second like 
you know, perhaps like 60 hertz is, is a common uh, display refresh rate, uh, it won't refresh that frequently. But but who needs it to? I mean, if it's just sitting there with a with a relatively static display, you know, maybe uh, there's a little hand ticking once per second or whatever, but, um, you know, that's all you need. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty cool. This is really pretty, pretty awesome. And, um, you know, the Apple of times past, you could maybe expect the price to go up with some big marquee new feature. You know, it's a it's an opportunity for Apple to say, hey, uh, super awesome new watch series five starting at four ninety nine or something like that. But you can get the previous gen for cheaper. Uh, but they didn't do that. In fact, uh, the story we'll get, we'll talk more about this as we go on. But but one of the big stories here for this whole keynote is uh, really Apple's uh, pretty pretty um, pretty nice, pretty nice about their pricing. Uh, I I kept. Uh, guessing as the keynote was going on, like what was the price they're going to mention. And usually the rule of thumb, I got this from Jason Snell a while back, and it's often proved true, is is you think of what the price should be, and then you add like $100, or, or you add some percentage on top, and then that's what the actual price ends up being. Uh, this time around, I was just thinking of like, you know, what would be a good price for this? Like, what seems completely reasonable, you know, based on the long trajectory of Apple tech products? You know, what what would seem to be a reasonable starting price for this product? And then that's exactly what they announced. So no surprises, which is really awesome. So Watch Series 5 just starts at $399. No surprise there. And of course, it goes up uh, depending on, you know, the size and the material and the band you select and everything. Speaking of which, they also have a cool new thing going on now where uh, they have uh, what they call the Apple Watch Studio. So you can either go to their website, I just tried this out, it's way cool, uh, or in their retail stores, they'll have... uh, this facility where you can, um, you know, you can pick the the type of watch material you want. You can pick the size. You can pick the band. Uh, these are all interchangeable components, basically, uh, and then purchase exactly what you want. So no no more practice of just buying a watch with a pre-selected band and then having to go separately purchase the band you actually want if you didn't like the one that it comes bundled with. Uh, Instead, now you can just buy exactly what you want. (laughs) It really should have worked that way the whole time, I think, but uh, whatever. You know, it took five, well, kind of six generations because the the very original Apple Watch is actually nicknamed Series Zero. Anyway, it, it took many generations to get to the point where you can just go buy an Apple Watch with the band you want. So that's awesome. Uh, as I said, I have a Series 1 Apple Watch, so I'm way overdue for a new one. So, uh, yeah, I have a feeling uh, I'll, I'll have a little a little present under my tree for Christmas this year, uh, and I'm looking forward to that upgrade. Uh, I'm going to gloss over the iPad pretty quickly here. Basically, they announced a 7th generation iPad. That's just iPad, not iPad Air or iPad Pro or Mini or anything, just, just the, the, the bog-standard iPad. Although it's not quite standard anymore, Uh, let's pour one out for the 9.7-inch iPad screen size. Ah, those were the days. (laughs) The original iPad from 2010 shipped with a 9.7-inch display, and that's gone. Apple no longer makes an iPad with that screen size. Goodbye, 9.7. This new iPad is 10.2, so a little bit bigger. Otherwise, it's not too dissimilar. It still has uh, wider bezels and, and a 
touch home button at the bottom and all that. So it's it's certainly not uh, iPad Pro styling, but it's definitely serviceable. Uh, the big news here, though, is that it supports uh, uh, the the smart keyboard cover because it has a smart connector, which means that for three twenty nine, the starting price of the iPad. You can get an iPad that will work with the smart keyboard cover and the Apple Pencil, the, the first-gen Apple Pencil. Uh, so that's pretty great. That's, that's awesome for, uh, for kids, for education, uh, for, for users that just want to casually use an iPad, maybe just to you know, jot down some notes and do some, some light computing tasks and don't want to spend a lot of money. Uh, you, you can get that nice package of iPad, keyboard, and pencil for, you know, a, a pretty low total, all things considered. Uh, so that's really great. And, uh, you know, Apple said that the iPad is purchased by the majority, I think they said 60% or something like that, of, of new iPad owners, you know, first-time buyers. Uh, they, they buy the iPad. They don't buy one of the more expensive models, which makes sense. Uh, so it's in Apple's best interest to have a good, solid initial experience for those new iPad owners. Uh, so this is good. So on to what everyone was really waiting for, of course, which is news of the new iPhone. And yes, indeed, Apple has a new iPhone, the iPhone 11. Uh, let's talk about the naming here real quick. Uh, I was never a fan of iPhone 10. The, the using the X for 10 seemed like a, a weird callback to Mac OS 10. Uh, it just didn't quite make sense to me in the world of the iPhone. And then they uh, did the whole weird thing with with 10s, but it looks like XS and then XR. No, it's 10R and what the hell's R mean? And oh man, that that all the naming stuff they did around iPhone. 10 was was just annoying. I, I did not like any of it. I'm super happy that they're just back to regular numbers, and it's very simple. iPhone 11, it's 11. iPhone 11, that's it. That's all it is. And if you want one of the fancy ones, it's iPhone 11 Pro. I'm not entirely sold on the idea that the big one is still called Max, so it's iPhone 11 Pro Max. <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful, um, but uh, you know, I, I think everyone can can safely just kind of say, you know, the bigger iPhone Pro, and and everyone will know what that means. Just like you know, there's iPad Pro and there's two sizes. There's a smaller iPad Pro and a bigger iPad Pro, and so now there's a smaller iPhone Pro and a bigger iPhone Pro, and that makes total sense to me. Um, and the idea that there is an iPhone Pro, uh, the iPhone 11 Pro, uh, starting at $999 and $1099 for the larger one, uh, so that occupies the same slot that, you know, the iPhone 10s and 10s Max occupied previously. Um, but, uh, you know, all the latest and greatest in the Pro models, including three, count them, three cameras, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, you know, it's it's good. It's good that Apple has the idea now that there's a pro model of iPhone. And, you know, you, you can quibble, you know, what does that mean to have a pro iPhone? Like, you know, is, is this really for professionals? Are you going to get your work done, quote unquote, on an iPhone? 
Um, but, um, you know, I mean, heck, I'll be the first to admit, I do get work done on my iPhone. I, I have literally used my iPhone to make changes to client websites and even to SSH into a remote computer and use a terminal to fix a problem, <laughs> you know, using my small phone screen to, to use a Unix terminal. It's, it's possible. I've done it. I, I have made money in my profession as a web developer, web designer. I've made money using my iPhone. Uh, not to mention all the ancillary stuff of, you know, checking emails and, and logging hours and, and sending out invoices and, you know, all kinds of stuff that I do on my iPhone. Uh, I don't, quote unquote, need the pro model of iPhone to do all that. I could do it on the regular model, um, you know, but there's all kinds of other perks to the pro models. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, the iPhone 11 Pro is the new high-end flagship model. Um, but the standard iPhone 11 is is really a good product, and the price is lower now, so it starts at just $699, which I think is a great move. Um, from what I can tell, Apple basically took the 10R from the previous generation and just uh, beefed it up in some various ways. Obviously, you know, latest A, A uh, what is it, A13? processor whatever the latest generation is of the a processors uh that are in the new phones uh, the iphone 11 has it as well as the pro and um also they added a second camera so the the iphone 10r had just a single standard camera the, the one times lens um and interestingly they didn't add a two times lens for the second camera on iphone 11 they added an ultra wide lens so it's considered 0.5 times uh, so if you're taking a picture and you want to get even more of the landscape and get like a really exaggerated wide-angle shot, uh, you can switch that wide-angle lens. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I, I feel like so much of the time on my iPhone XR, I'm, I'm wishing I had a zoom lens. I'm wishing I had a two times option like I did when I used to use the iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, I, I miss having that telephoto camera lens. I don't feel like I miss having an ultra-wide, um, but, you know, I, I think a lot, a lot of people, once they have that, will find interesting ways to use it. Um, for me, though, like, having an iPhone XR, I, I, listen, there's, there's no reason for me to be interested in the iPhone 11 right now. It's not that big of an upgrade. You know, if you're using a previous generation iPhone, like maybe an original iPhone 10 even, or, or certainly something before that, uh, iPhone 11 is an awesome upgrade. It's going to be truly awesome. You, you really should check it out. Uh, but for me, having just recently gotten, gotten an iPhone XR, uh, I have no interest in iPhone 11 personally. However, the, the iPhone 11 Pro, that is super interesting to me. Uh, first of all, it looks way cool. I, I'm actually surprised how cool it looks. I wasn't expecting um, the, the design of the latest iPhone high-end model to be as intriguing as it is. Um, not everyone feels like that, actually. Uh, I've heard at least one person, uh, Mike Hurley over at the Relay FM network, was saying he's not a fan of, of this uh, midnight green kind of color that they have now. Uh, but I love it. I think it looks fantastic. And that, that matte finish on the glass and everything. Uh, I, I think this is clearly the best looking phone in the new iPhone X line. Uh, I loved the iPhone 7 Plus I had with the matte black finish. You know, I called it the Darth Vader phone because it was so black. I really loved that design. And I was kind of sad to see that that 
kind of feeling go away with the with the glass backs and the the new design from from iPhone 8 onward. Uh, but but this this new iPhone 11 Pro with the midnight green, it just has this really sleek, dark kind of. Uh, uh, subtly menacing, but also at the same time feeling very high-end, very premium, uh, frankly, very pro. Uh, it looks like, you know, something you might expect to see on some, you know, like high-end audio equipment or maybe like a really esoteric, you know, camera from, I don't know, Leica or somebody. Like, I don't know. Is it something about that color and, and the matte finish and, and having the three camera lenses there and, and the way those... Ex- extrude from the glass and just everything about it feels very premium uh, very well engineered uh, you know visually speaking uh, so I'm a big fan I, I totally dig it uh, and clearly the the three camera system uh, even though it, <laughs> it it's uh, going to trigger uh, uh, what are they calling it uh, trypophobia <laughs> uh, some people ha- have uh, apparently like an aversion to to seeing uh, a, a cluster of, of what look like holes or maybe eyes or something, like it completely freaks them out. Uh, so having this, this cluster of the three lenses together like that uh, might freak a few people out. <laughs> um, but uh, it doesn't really bother me. And um, it looks way better than a bunch of the, the sort of uh, rumor renders I saw floating around in the past. Like uh, the last few months, there have been all these different renders. And just every one of them looked goofy to me. But uh, the final version here it looks pretty much as, as, as good as you could possibly expect. Like, I honestly can't imagine how you could have three camera lenses and do it any other way that would be better so uh so yeah you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do it do it and i think it's pretty cool because you get not only the the one times and the two times telephoto lenses but you get that ultra wide as well so you can go you know just just purely optically without any without any digital enhancement you can go from a super wide angle landscape shot all the way to you know zooming in on a particular tree or whatever um and so yeah, it, it feels like, uh, you know, the iPhone is, has really come to a place now where uh, you can legitimately just carry that around in your pocket and leave, a, a, you know, a mirrorless or DSLR camera at home and still get some decent pictures. I'm not convinced that's the case yet for video, though. Uh, they're showing off video that you could shoot with the iPhone 11 Pro and they're you know, they're showing off this this little uh, demo reel that was shot by a professional cinematographer and uh, a director on a Hollywood set, and they're showing off the things you could do. And uh, there's there's just something about the iPhone's video. I, I think maybe it's the frame rate, but there's something about it where it still has this very sort of. Uh, you know, like like video camera on an old TV show kind of feeling about it. It doesn't feel cinematic to me at all. It doesn't feel filmic, even though they're going on and on about, you know, this new Filmic Pro app that will be available and all these things you can do with it. Uh, sorry, it, that doesn't work for me. Like, I'm used to seeing YouTube videos by top producers, you know, like, say, Peter McKinnon, uh, where where the the quality of the video is just extremely high with with this really nice shallow depth of field gorgeous bokeh 
um, you know, 24 frames per second, maybe 30, um, but it just has this really nice, you know, subtle motion blur on each frame. So the, the motion feels feels very cinematic and, and the color, colors, you know, are properly graded and everything just looks awesome. Uh, you're, you're not going to get that with an iPhone 11 Pro, at least not out of the box. Like, you know, maybe if you adjust a bunch of settings like shutter speed and you do a bunch of things and, and you add, you know, a bunch of processing in post uh, like you would with, you know, a higher end video camera, uh, maybe you can get there. But, you know, Apple's pitch is like, hey, you just pull this out of your pocket and start shooting some stuff and it's amazing. Look at what you can do. And and I say, uh, you know, it's good. It's 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 awesome for a smartphone to be able to do that. Uh, but this, you know, you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna go out there and make you know Hollywood films with an iPhone. Like that, that's just not what you're gonna get. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's just an, another step in the in the evolutionary process of the smartphone as as the camera tech gets better and better. Oh, let's see. What else about the new iPhones? Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, goodbye, 3D Touch. No more 3D Touch. 3D Touch is no more. Apple has gone all in on haptic touch, which is basically just long press with some, uh, some you know, taptic engine feedback. So you, you know, you feel the little kind of mechanical jolt in your hand as, as an action happens. Um yeah, again, some controversy over this. I know some people out there are big fans of 3D Touch and like the way that worked and, and are going to miss it. But um, for me, because I'm such a heavy iPad user, uh, it's always been annoying to me that the, the, the gestural differences between the iPhones with, with 3D Touch and the iPads that don't have that, uh, it, it, it's just, it's problematic for me. I, I get confused. I'm like, you know, how do I do something on, you know, this device versus that device? Why is it different? Um, and so now with haptic touch, uh, whether you're using an iPad or an iPhone, um, you know, the same things do the same things. If you, if you long press on an icon on the home screen, you'll, you'll get a context menu and you'll get you know, various options and they'll work the same on both. Uh, you know, the keyboards will work the same, uh, like jumping into things like in the control center, if you want to like jump into the Bluetooth settings and then you want to go enable or disable a particular device in control center, uh, that'll work the same on iPhone and iPad. Uh, so, so I think this is good. I think, I think you need to have that consistency across the various uh, iOS devices, uh, you know, unify the ecosystem. Um, in fact, uh, it's so important to me to have things unified that for a while when I'd gotten my new, I, uh, my new iPad Pro, but still had an iPhone 7 Plus with the home button and, you know, previous way to get to the control center and some different things, uh, it was driving me nuts. I'd go back and forth between my iPad and my old iPhone 7 Plus and just like, I'd be like, where's the control center and why can't I swipe up to get home and like, ah, what's going on here? So uh, when <laughs> when my screen was shattered and I was forced to upgrade and I got the iPhone XR, uh, like basically my favorite thing about it was the new gestures. Like, you know, all the other features are, are fine and dandy, but just just the fact that I could swipe up from the home screen on both devices and it worked the same, and you know, swipe down on the top right to get Control Center and work the uh, you know the same way on each device, uh, that that was a huge win for me. It, it it drives me nuts to have inconsistencies. 
Uh, so, so I think it's good that Apple ditched 3D Touch. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have wanted them to add that to the iPads if they are going to continue down that road. But um, going with haptic touch instead makes a lot of sense. Uh, so that's uh, that's most of the big news from the Apple event. There are some smaller announcements around their services, like Apple Arcade and Apple TV. Uh, I, I'm not motivated enough to talk much about those because neither one is super interesting to me. Uh, I do think the pricing on Apple Arcade is pretty cool. It's just going to be $4.99 a month, and that's you know even for a whole family plan. If you have multiple people in your household, it'll still just be $4.99 total. Uh, so that's pretty great if you're really into gaming. Um, I'm not, but I do have small children. So uh, if there are enough cool kids games that are uh, going to appeal to small children, I haven't seen a whole lot of evidence of that. They, they didn't really show off what I would call you know, kids games per se. But if there are quite a few kids games in Apple Arcade, then I think it will be a great deal. Because uh, I've gotten plenty of games for my kids where it's free to download and then there's all kinds of goofy, you know, buy these gem packs or watch these terrible ads. And, and you know, my, my kids are so used to it, like, that, you know, they just sort of expect that ads are a thing and they wait and they press X and they get out of it. And, but I just find it, like, incredibly aggravating. So um, so I love the idea of just paying one price per month and and get get the games as long as they're good games so that's you know the jury is out there as as far as i'm concerned so we'll see how it goes all right so probably time to wrap up this episode here uh, i do want to make a short mention of uh, something that just happened this is kind of breaking news uh, california has passed uh, a really a landmark bill this this is uh, quite a big deal uh, that's it's essentially going to reclassify workers in the so-called gig economy, and we're particularly talking companies like Uber and Lyft, you know, where they have uh, all the people that are actually doing the driving are not employees of that company; they're they're freelancing. Um, and this bill reclassifies those people as employees, and I get queasy initially whenever I hear about legislation around uh, freelancing and around, you know, being an independent contractor, because uh, I think people who want to be independent contractors really need to have that freedom. And it makes it hard if there's fear that they'll, you know, they'll just get reclassified as employees based on some obscure government ruling. Um, but in this case, it really is quite different because if you're a driver for Uber, you know, it's, it's, it's really not like you have your own business with your own working hours and your own style and your own suite of products or services and you're, you know, you're partnering up with a client. It's not like that at all. You're really like at the beck and call of the company. You know, if you, if you say you're a driver for Lyft or Uber and they say, you know, hey, these people need a ride, like, you're supposed to jump on it. Like, if you don't, you know, if, <laughs> if you sign up to be a driver and then you're like, you know, I'm going to take a week off or whatever, like, uh, you know, that's, that's not really the point of it. So, you know, the idea here is that you're, you're, you're supposed to provide you know, regular dependable service on behalf of this company. And so, you know, I think it makes sense. Like, if, if, if the company's business literally will just fall down and stop working, 
if if you are not you know part of that machinery if you're not a cog in their wheels uh you know then then it makes sense that you really should be classified as an employee not an independent contractor uh so um so with with some trepidation around you know how this could be broadened to to interfere with other industries, uh, I do think this is a good move, specifically in these cases where, you know, you're a driver or you're a courier or you're providing some kind of service on behalf of this large behemoth. And, you know, all the behemoth is is doing really is just routing you to, you know, their customers. Uh, you know, I, Listen, like you, you are making their business possible, <laughs> and if you are, you know, that part of the the, the very basic nature of their service, uh, it it does stand to reason that you would be their employee. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that this bill has passed, and this could um, open up the floodgates in a bunch of other states. There's there's legislation on the books in some other states, including my now state of Oregon. Um, so, so seeing this pass in California could, you know, kickstart things in other places. And I think it's a good thing. Um, I am not particularly, uh, enthralled with, uh, a lot of the, the wave of Silicon Valley style companies like Uber or like WeWork or like these companies where, you know, they, they act like they're, you know, God's gift to the world and reinventing everything, but they're they're basically just in an industry that's been around forever. I mean, all Uber is is just you know the smartphone generation version of a taxi service. All WeWork is is a landlord that has some real estate, and you can go work there, you know, and set up your business. Like, yeah, you know, the 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 basic description of these companies is is way boring and nothing new. But you know, they they sort of have all this window dressing of of high tech and and innovation, and you know, I, I really think it, it's somewhat of a scam. <laughs> um, so I, I am no friend of these kinds of companies, and uh, the more, more scrutiny and potential legislation there is around these kinds of companies, in my opinion, the better. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in to the 40th episode of The Jared White Show. As always, you can go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to check out the show notes for this episode and to listen to other episodes and please sign up for my email newsletter mark up this and that way you'll get notified via email whenever there's exciting new content out on my website at jaredwhite.com all right thanks for listening and i will see you next time bye Jerry Rachel.